I'm Liz, your host and the wife and mom behind Unedited Motherhood. Together, we'll talk about all the struggles that we face as adults. Nothing is off limits. We'll uncover important truths and maybe even learn some tips to make our lives a little simpler and a lot more enjoyable. Thanks for joining me. Have you been having a difficult time getting your hands on some high quality animal protein? Before using ButcherBox, I was having to visit multiple grocery stores to find the quality of chicken, beef, pork, and fish that I like to buy. Now I can select what cuts of meat I want and design my own box each month with ButcherBox. In addition, I can select special member deals and add-ons each month to fit my meal plan and fill my freezer. I pick what day I want it to be billed, customizing each date based on my current quantity, knowing it'll come in just two days. Try ButcherBox today. Use the link in my show notes or on the blog for $30 off your first order. Welcome back to Unedited Motherhood. We have Heidi back with us today for part C of our No Dig Gardening series. If you missed last week, we talked about creating a garden bed and then planting, all about seeds versus starters and lots of great information. And then we moved on to maintaining your garden. So we're going to pick up this week with harvesting your garden, extending your season, and saving seeds for the next season. So Heidi, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. Glad to be back. Um, We are both working in our gardens right now, um, getting our beds ready and getting our seeds and starts ready. So this is all very exciting, very relevant information to where we're at right now, which makes it so much more fun to talk about um, right now for you guys. So let's start with harvesting. We're not quite there this season yet, but it'll still be fun to look forward to this part of our gardening journey. For sure. So with some vegetables or fruits, it's really obvious when to harvest them. Mm -hmm. Um, But talk a little bit about how that varies from plant to plant. Well, if we're talking about things like kale or lettuces, we can harvest them as soon as the leaves are big enough. You, you can harvest them super small if you want baby greens. The way that I like to harvest any sort of leafy greens is just pulling specific leaves off the bottom rather than harvesting the whole head, and that way it continues to produce all season long. Um, you get a lot more out of it that way. Yeah. Um, things like tomatoes, you know, obviously you want to sort of gently press your thumb into it and see if it feels slightly soft. Yeah. Uh, tomatoes are usually ready. Like if you sort of cup a tomato with your hand and it just falls off in your hand, that's when it's yeah. like really, really ready. You can pick them before that, especially if you're taking them to a market or if over to a friend's house or something. Yeah. Yeah. And really with tomatoes, like once they're the right color, generally they're ripe too, right? Or not necessarily. Mostly, yeah. Usually, yeah. I mean, you, you can pick as soon as it's the color you want it to be. Yeah. And that's good. Okay. So there are some, like I've seen some people on YouTube uh, talk about okra being kind of finicky because it grows so fast yeah. once it comes in. I've grown a whole lot of okra. Uh, it basically, as soon as 
it is even close to the size that you want it to be, harvest it. Take your little snippers out there and just clip them off because if you wait until tomorrow, they will be a foot long and hard and not really great. Uh, there are some varieties that stay softer and you can harvest them larger and that's that's fine. Um, if you're looking to sell okra at like a farmer's market or something, most people buying that are actually looking for baby okra. I've mm. harvested okra from my garden that was almost a foot long and still really <laughs> tender so and, and delicious. Um, well, but market wise, people look for the smaller things. Same thing with zucchini and, and cucumbers too, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. That's something interesting to me because usually you think bigger is better. Uh, you get more for your money that way and you know, you just, yeah. But yeah. then there's the thing of like with zucchini and cucumbers or any type of, uh, like a summer squash, stuff like that and, and tomatoes and things too. It's the more that you harvest, the more you'll actually get because that part that you're harvesting is a fruit and that is that plant trying to create offspring. And so if you keep harvesting that before that seed is mature, it's going to put out more to try to reproduce mm, itself. That makes sense. So, yeah, so for cucumbers, especially smaller varieties, I've seen... Jess, <laughs> Jess from Roots and Refuge, um, pick a variety of different sizes of cucumbers and show them all at their ideal shape. And it's smaller than, you know, what you might think. Yeah, I mean, you can pick cucumbers from anywhere from like three inches, little tiny, tiny, tiny little things. Or you can let them get massive, depending on the variety, of course. Um, usually, the bigger you let them get, get, the tougher the skin's going to be. They might start to get that bitter flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, and the seeds are bigger, too, right? And, and that's another reason be, people don't yeah. like the big ones. Yeah, the seeds are going to be bigger. Um, although the seeds and cucumbers never really get all that hard unless they're like almost mature enough to save the seeds zucchini's seeds get so big yeah they do <laughs> and then you just scoop them out and make zucchini boats and those are delicious yes done that and it was incredible i had like a 18 to 20 inch long one last summer that i just scooped out the inside and i made um like lasagna or italian sausage stuffed zucchini boats and that was super delicious that sounds yummy i didn't eat all the skin because it was pretty tough but i did eat some of it because i know it's good for you yeah that's the thing if if you accidentally do let your zucchini fruits go way too long it's really easy just scoop out the seeds and shred them up for zucchini bread Mm -hmm. because even if they are a little bit tough if you're freezing that pulp or whatever you call it um if you're freezing your shredded zucchini and then um, when you just thaw it out and strain off the water and use it in zucchini bread, and that process softens even the hardest zucchinis. Good. That's good to know because I wondered about doing that with some of my zucchinis last year, and I ended up not shredding any or freezing any because I just didn't know if it would turn out. It happens. So what other 
fruits or vegetables can you think of that might be a tricky one to harvest? Oh, watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's been a tricky one. I've never actually successfully grown. Maybe once I got a good watermelon. Um, I am looking to do that at some point in the relatively near future. But I remember one year I had this big, gorgeous moons and stars watermelon. And I just knew, like, it's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And then when I finally thought it was ready, I cut into it and it was rotten. And I was like, oh, Oh. no. (laughs) I think we talked about this last week. My watermelon plant did not like me messing with it last year. And so Mm -hmm. it only gave me three. At one point, it had like 12 baby melons on it. I counted. But... Only three of them got large enough to harvest, and one of them was rotten, and one I gave to a relative. So what I found a tip online, I looked up how to know if a watermelon is ripe, and basically the closest little tendril to the stem of the watermelon will shrivel and curl up. Yep. And I followed that, and it worked for me. Now, granted, I only cut into one, so I don't know if that would have worked across the board. Yeah, I, I learned that after I lost that big, beautiful oh, one. Oh, that's so sad. I'm, that is true, though. I, I have seen that work for other people. I hope that that works again this year and is not dependent on variety or nah, location. I think I think it's pretty standard for pretty much all your watermelons. Yeah. Cool. So what about herbs? I'm just trying to think. Peppers are pretty easy once they're the color you want them. Yeah. Uh, Peppers can be harvested at any stage. Mm -hmm. Um, If you harvest them really, really young, they're going to have a strong green pepper flavor that's not necessarily what you're looking for. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, Herbs are great you can harvest them and harvest them and harvest them once they set flowers when you might not necessarily want them because the flavor changes a bit right but if you tend to personally like the flavor of your herbs that are flowered then by all means keep harvesting them that's personal preference yeah so what about um onions for me this was tricky because i planted probably close to 75 bulbs last year Mm -hmm. some yellow and some red and the bulbs the green onions just kept growing and growing and growing and my onions never got to the place that I thought they would I think that one was the variety okay um if you're buying like a a large bulb onion onions are another thing you can actually harvest those at any stage as well um if you're looking for a big bulb then usually you'll wait until the green tops sort of fall over sideways. You don't have to wait that long. I have done that before and had some success, but I've also done that before and had rotten onions. That was in a year when it rained a lot. So it's kind of dependent on your weather. If it's raining a lot, harvest your onions and get them somewhere dry because they don't like too much water. Mm, Okay. You'll get like whole rings of yeah, rotten in, in between healthy rings, and it's yeah. It's just I've had that happen before yeah, from grocery gross. store onions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just happens sometimes. Mm. Onions are not the most reliable thing. Um, it's one of those you just gotta plant them anyway and find out. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And you can use any onion as, like, you can cut off the tops and use them as green onions. Right. And that's what I basically ended up doing. I didn't harvest any actual onions. I just, I love green onions, so, but I just ate those. And they're still growing from last year. I think they're on their fourth round. They are, beautiful. (laughs) I I have, yeah, I just planted some onion sets uh, last week, the week before. Um, You can still plant them now. Don't have to worry about being too late or anything like that. Um, I just happened to have time to plant them, so I did. Um, yeah, they'll, they'll grow and you can harvest them at any stage. Uh, I, I think I forgot to mention about kale and all of your lettuces. Once those leafy green type things start sending up flowers, that's going to make the leaves taste really bitter and you don't necessarily want that. That's called bolting. Bolting. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. Uh, but you can eat those flowers, right? You can. And some of them are really tasty. Um, I know like radishes, for example, have delicious, like, they taste really peppery. I don't like to eat radishes, but I love sauteed radish greens hmm. and, uh, radish flowers. They're, they're really nice gar- like garnish on salads. Huh. They're wow, really never, peppery tasting. I've never delicious. eaten the, the leaves. Oh, they're so good. I only tried radishes for the first time this year. Nice. Actually. Um, I wouldn't say they're my favorite, but I don't mind them. I'm going to grow some just to, sure, yeah, you know, have them. And Your kids might love them. Yeah. I have a nephew that goes absolutely nuts over radishes. Like, if you hand him a bag full of radishes, he'll eat the whole thing. Raw? Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, like, not even slice up or anything. He'll just eat them all. Oh, wow. It's really cute. That's It's cute. not my thing, but I think it's adorable that he does it. Yeah. That's really cool. So let's talk about how to, once you've harvested these things, let's talk about preserving them because um, that's one of the ways people, you know, try to save money with gardening is not just gardening for the summer, but gardening to sustain themselves with those fruits and vegetables throughout the year. For sure. Um, Get yourself a copy of the Ball Blue Book. They're like 10 bucks. Almost every grocery store that sells canning supplies has the ball blue book for sale. It's not the end all be all of canning and preserving by any means, but it's a really great starter reference. Uh, I highly recommend reading the section in that on food safety. Make sure you're not giving your family botulism. (laughs) Um, We don't want to deal with that. But in, in all seriousness, it's, it's a really great starter reference. And I think that regardless of how much you actually pay attention to the recommendations in that book, everyone should have a copy of that and be aware of what's in it Mm -hmm. because it's just, it's just a good base knowledge. I I really, yeah. When I first started canning, I had a little bit of a mentor that gave me a copy of the ball blue book and I'm so glad that she did. I didn't know there was one. It's great. It's literally any grocery store that, sells canning supplies it'll be right next to it they're they're like 10 bucks um sometimes you can find them on sale um they come out with a new one every year so a lot of times you can find a previous year's ball blue book for a lot cheaper if if you're on a super tight budget you might be able to find one for two dollars okay but yeah it's it's a good reference for sure and you can can a lot of stuff oh yeah you can can a lot of stuff one of the things I like about the 
Blue Book is that it's not just about canning. They also reference freezing and drying. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. So it's, okay. it's all, it's a whole preservation thing. It's not just okay. canning. So they do pressure canning and water bath canning, which they're two different methods. Right. Some things you can do just water bath canning, which is much simpler. And some mm-hmm. things like green beans, for example, must be pressure canned mm-hmm. because they're not acidic enough. And if you don't pressure can them and get them up to a certain heat, then they will go bad. Mm-hmm. So okay. green beans have to be pressure canned. Um Tomatoes don't. You you can just I think water, I water bath can. my salsa. Yeah, you can water bath salsa. Anything that's slightly acidic, uh, you can. And and you do it. I'm not a recipe follower when it comes to cooking by any means. Like I always put my own little spin on whatever it is I'm making. But when it comes to canning, follow the recipe. Because we're talking about food safety and that. Like, you, you need to follow a recipe. Yeah. You can find a lot of good recipes online for free. But you need to be following an approved recipe where you know that the end result is going to be safe to eat several months down the road. And it's not going to make you or your family sick. Right. Yeah. So what other ways than canning? Canning is the easiest way, the most affordable way. Generally to preserve your food, right? Freezing is super easy, too. Oh, yeah. Freezing. Yeah. I love freezing, and I'm just recently getting into it. The bed I planted last fall with collards and kale, I harvested, like, grocery bags full of those greens. Yeah. And I got out my ball of blue book and referenced the... um, how, how to freeze those things and it is a super simple process you just read the instructions and do it it's basically you get a big pot of water boiling and you chop up your greens and throw them into that boiling water for two minutes and then blanch you, them yeah so you're blanching them and then you take them off and strain off the water and put them in a freezer safe container and throw them in the freezer Huh. And that so that's a super simple process. So can you use them for a salad after that? Nah. Okay, I didn't think so. So you need to cook them. Uh, right? You don't necessarily need to cook them. Or blend them. Yeah, you you can throw them into smoothies. Or you sauces. can put them in sauces. You can um you can do a huge variety of different things like with cook, them. Cook, I would like, like saute them and yeah. then and then put some scrambled egg, like do scrambled eggs and greens. Right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. There, there's a thousand different things you can do with them, but no, you wouldn't be using them in salads. Past I that. was gonna say I didn't think there was a way to preserve that crunch. <laughs> no, no, it makes them mushy. Those are usually like when when kale leaves get big enough that I'm harvesting them for for freezing, then I wouldn't necessarily be eating them in salads anyway because right. they'd be a little too too hard to yeah you'd be chewing for an hour before you actually swallowed anything <laughs> right but you can freeze pretty much anything yeah and the instructions are going to be slightly different depending on what it is right but yeah you can freeze pretty much anything most things are basically blanched for a specific amount of time depending on what it is and then drain it and, and freeze it and or flash frozen probably most like broccoli green beans i know for grocery stores They've yeah. got a flash freeze, or not grocery stores, but you know, places that provide yeah, like vegetable production. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. 
Um, flash freezers are, are really expensive pieces of equipment. No, no, no. I just mean like putting them on a tray all separate and oh. flash freezing it on your own and yeah. then throwing it into a Ziploc baggie or whatever you're going to freeze them in because that will keep them from sticking together. Yeah. So, yeah, you can do that. Um, I've seen that done with peppers. It is recommended that you either throw them in the oven for a couple minutes if you want to do it dry or, or you blanch them, though, because that blanching or throwing them in the oven at a specific heat for a certain amount of time is going to kill bacteria that might still grow on a frozen product. Oh, okay. So that's... Read your instructions, guys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. I just know I've bought green beans and broccoli from the freezer section, and they don't all stick together. So I'm like, well, they had to have flash frozen it. Yeah. So, that yeah, that's what, like, I'll do diced up peppers or something yeah. and I I you can just put them in the freezer that way on a tray and then once they're frozen scoop them into something else but that's going to be a product that you're going to use within a month or two uh, if you're okay. wanting to preserve for any amount of time longer than that then you'll want to follow the instructions for blanching it either in boiling water or whatever it's called throwing it in the oven yeah for a little I can't bit. remember what that's called um, so canning, freezing, dehydrating mm-hmm. or freeze drying, that's more common with fruit, but can that be done with vegetables? I'm trying to think. Yeah. Stra- I mean, tomatoes. There is a company that sells freeze dryers for home use. <laughs> I've seen that. They're called Harvest Right and they look absolutely phenomenal. They're a few thousand dollars right? and it's about the size of a dishwasher. Yeah. So it's a large piece of equipment. They make miniature ones. Do they? I've seen miniature dehydrators. What, like the size of a microwave? Um, kind of like the size oh, of a mini freezer. Oh, is that different than a freeze dryer? Yeah. Okay, I don't know that then. My bad. I was like, do they make some tiny freeze dryers? That would be exciting. I don't know. I was thinking like they make smaller than a mini fridge sized dehydrators. That's what I was. They thinking. do. My air fryer works really well as a dehydrator oh, too. I've never tried that. Yeah, you can actually dehydrate in your oven as well if you don't feel like buying another mm-hmm. piece of equipment. Um. Depending on what it is, you basically just spread stuff out on trays and cook it on low heat. Cook it on super low heat, like 150 degrees for several hours until it gets the shrivel, shrivel. dryness that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shrivel, sugar, sugar. Um, yeah. You know what's funny about dried fruit? I do not like raisins. I don't. But I like grapes. But I don't like raisins, and my daughter is obsessed with them, and my husband really likes them too. They can't eat oatmeal without them, and they will just snack on them like with nuts. And I just do not like them. I don't know what it is about raisins. I love all kinds of dried fruit. Do you like dried cranberries? I do. I like dried cranberries. I like dried cherries. And I'm not like a a major grape lover. I mean, I'll eat them, and I'll snack on them for lunch. I'll have them in chicken salad. I'm not anti-grape. But I'm anti-raisin. <laughs> I made cinnamon banana raisin muffins the other day, and I picked all the raisins out. Like, I that's tried like eating them. that like cucumbers but don't like pickles. Oh, no, that's totally different. Or they vice taste versa. totally different, though. Because I was that person until I, I started liking pickled things. I didn't like anything pickled, but now I do. There is a place outside of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, Sonder Brewing has a 
kitchen that is like a separate business in the same building, they make the most delicious fresh ferments. And really? Yeah, they have super amazing, really mild kimchi. It's not like mm. too spicy. Um, they make, yeah, just really delicious pickled everything. <laughs> I love pickled things. I never tried pickles with the intent of liking them until after I married my husband because he loves pickled everything. And I don't like bread and butter, like sweet pickled things, but I love like dill pickles. I'm not a huge fan of like grocery store bread and butter pickles, but like homemade ones are so good. I've never tried that. Oh, they're delicious. I have a jar of pickled asparagus in my fridge right now. And it is so good. Oh, man. I tried to pickle okra one time without following a recipe. I thought I could just put it Wing in it. vinegar. Yeah. Terrible. Yeah, don't do it. Um, <laughs> you know how okra that's overcooked has that really mucilaginous... Ooh. All like of the slimy. liquid in the jar. And it was pink okra, so it was this pink slime I just and it tasted great but I couldn't make myself eat very much of it because the texture just was wrong (laughs) so so follow recipes yeah Um, I did that one year when I had just like a massive overabundance of pink well it was like a burgundy okra yeah um and yeah like I said it, it tasted good but the texture, the texture was just right. wrong. The okra itself was fine. Ugh. It was the slime that it was in. So, like, maybe you could rinse it off and throw them on a salad or something, but... Yeah. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, no. No way. It was gross. So, moving on. Because <laughs> gross. <laughs> But that's what not to do. Right. Exactly. So, moving on. <laughs> so... What other than preserving, how else can we use things? Um, what are some recipes for um, like batch cooking some like really high producing plants? Like you find yourself like me planting 12 different varieties of tomatoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> salsa. If, yeah. Extra tomatoes. Yeah. Seriously. Salsa. Stewed tomato tomatoes. Sauce. Tomato sauce. Yeah, throw them in your crock pot. Let them simmer down for a while. My mom likes to put them on a pot and, or not a pot, a um, baking sheet Mm -hmm. and roast them just until they pop and they kind of shrink a little bit and do like roasted tomatoes. That's the best with like cherry tomatoes. Yes. Yeah, that's what she does it with. Yeah. I can't wait to try that with the Brad's Atomic Grape. Yeah. Is that what they're called? Uh huh. Yeah. And you can sun dry tomatoes too. You you buy those. You you can put them in olive uh, oil. Yeah, you yeah you can do um, basically dehydrating tomatoes is super similar to sun drying. I'm pretty sure all the sun dried tomatoes that are like at grocery stores on the market now are actually just dehydrated commercial <laughs> oh, no. dehydrators. I seriously doubt there are very many companies with a out picture there. of a sun on the front of yeah. the dehydrator. <laughs> no, it's I I I mean it's just good business sense you don't you don't want to take a week or two to dehydrate your tomatoes in the sun when you can do it in in 12 hours or less yeah 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 so what else tomatoes i think people have a pretty good idea of how to use tomatoes yeah 
Um, what else do we find ourselves with? A lot of greens, uh-huh. salad greens, kale. Uh, yeah, all your greens. Really, it, not not your lettuces, obviously, but like any other greens. You know, extra beet greens. Your all all your kale, collards, um, anything like that that's a little bit tougher and needs cooked down. Dude, just saute that and throw it in with your scrambled eggs every morning. Yeah. That's a really good way to do it. Yeah. Um, you know, throw in an onion and yeah, you got a super healthy breakfast that way. And you can do like um like collard greens, you know how people cook collard greens and put mm-hmm. a little vinegar in it. You could do that with any Absolutely. tougher greens, like kale or Absolutely. Well, and if like beet greens, for example, aren't very tough they're a little bit closer to spinach mm. if you can mix all your greens together just throw the tougher ones in the pot first right and then your softer ones won't disintegrate yeah and people will use that as like a side so if you're meal prepping you could oh yeah you could do that well you can even if anything that's already been cooked you can set that aside and freeze it too right. for future mm-hmm. meals yep i like to do or that. for smoothies i know some mm-hmm. people will put actually like little Ziploc baggies of like a smoothie blend of fruits and greens and avocado and whatever all in together. So they just have to dump it into the blender. Yeah. So that might be an idea too, if you have different things that you're growing that you want to use for smoothies. Yeah. That's a great way to do it. And you can make kale chips. People bake kale. Oh my gosh. Yeah. My sister makes the best kale chips. I've never tried it. Delicious. I, I need to get her recipe. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure she just like Cuts it up into chip-sized pieces and, like, massages it with olive oil and sea salt and pepper. Oh, yeah. And then she basically dehydrates them in the oven. It's, uh, they're the best. She is, I went over there the year before last, maybe it was the year before that, and she literally had, like, those big gallon ice cream buckets full of kale chips and... All day, her kids were just snacking on them. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. It was adorable. I make it's the best thing ever when kids love vegetables. I made a beet salad with kale a couple nice. weeks ago. You'd be proud of me. I would, I am. Lover that sounds beet delicious. Um, I did, the recipe called for lightly baking your kale, and I didn't, I was in a little bit of a time crunch, but I didn't do that. I, um, did kale and beets and thinly sliced red onions and goat cheese and toasted some pine nuts. And if I had grown beets and grown my own kale, <laughs> obviously that would, and grown my own onions, that would have been um, more relevant to what we're talking about. I bought all these things at the grocery store, but it's still a good it's example totally of what relevant. you can do. Yeah. It's totally relevant. I mean, honestly, that's actually the best thing to do. When your garden's not quite producing yet, buy the things that you're interested in growing and experiment with them before the garden season really gets rolling. And that yeah. way, when you have this overabundance of food coming at you, you'll know what to do with it. Right. That's super valid. I'm glad to hear that you've been doing that. I've really been enjoying kind of branching out. And I think my husband's maybe like, that was good, but maybe don't put it on the, the rotation. <laughs> And you know, that's okay too. Uh, But I'm finding areas where we have different preferences because usually I make things that I know we're both really going to like, but the more I've been experimenting, the more I'm realizing that our particular tastes are a little bit different. Um, 
because I love the beet salad and he was basically like I don't want the kale (laughs) it's like okay fair he doesn't mind like baby kale but I used like leafy I used like dinosaur kale and then like a curly one Mm -hmm. too and I did put balsamic vinaigrette on it and let it sit for a bit to kind of help soften the kale but I like crunchy kale Mm -hmm. maybe not just leafy curly crunchy kale by itself but mixed in a salad with other great flavors and he just yeah he doesn't but he I'm like you know softer what? I can keep making things for myself like that <laughs> yeah it's good for you yeah it's nice to have a go-to snack already mm-hmm. in the refrigerator and stuff like kale too if you're throwing that into some sort of like a sauce salad that's really almost comparable to coleslaw even though it's different you make it and it's good to eat it like that the first day mm-hmm. but then you can leave that in the fridge right. and the Already longer the it sets the it. more the flavors are uh-huh. gonna marinate together yeah. and, and absolutely become a cohesive delicious thing yeah my kale salad was much better the next day my mom and i would text each other because i left some with her i made it for a dinner she had because easter and we both were texting each other like the same day saying the salad is better today than it was yesterday. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's all about experimentation. I always say just try it and see what happens. Yep. And then what else uh, can we experiment with in our kitchens? Uh, cucumbers, obviously, you can pickle. Uh, I Man, last summer we had... So many cucumbers coming off the balcony mm. garden at our apartment. Wow. I was making just a refrigerator cucumber salad, like thin sliced cucumbers, onion, cherry tomatoes. Oh, yeah. that's We do that and every... Yeah, you oh, just yeah. mix it we with a little that. bit of like apple cider and vinegar, maybe a little bit of honey and some sea salt in there. It's delicious. Oh, that's and really cool. You can cool. have it with every meal. You can strain it off and put it on sandwiches switch it up and try it with those same veggies because i do it all the time but like a greek style i do olive oil and lemon juice yeah and i'll even when my husband's not looking i'll sprinkle in some red wine vinegar (laughs) he's always tells me to leave that out because it's it's pretty similar to lemon juice and purpose but it does add a little bit of a different flavor and then salt and pepper yeah and that's really good too that sounds good yeah, it's really yummy. You can also do, like, if you're a dairy-eating person, chop up your cucumbers and throw them in some plain yogurt with some dill. Yeah. That's delicious, too. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like a tzatziki sauce. Yeah, basically. It's delicious stuff. Cool. So if we think of other uses for large-producing fruits and vegetables, we'll throw them in. But we're going to move on to something we've already briefly touched on, um, but extending our season, extending our growing season. Um, so for those of you that may not know, which I didn't until <laughs> this this year, um, different plants thrive during different seasons and not all plants are meant to be planted at the beginning of summer. That's true. Yeah. The farmers around here all say don't plant anything until after Mother's Day or it'll whatever. Um yeah, you know, that's true for cucumbers and corn and green beans and tomatoes, but that's not true of your salad greens and cilantro and there's a whole list of peas. And it's really easy to figure out which ones are which by looking up frost tender versus frost hardy, yep. right? Yeah, if you have a question about 
a plant or a fruit or vegetable, just do an internet search for is dot 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 frost hardy. And if the answer that comes up says no, then it's a summer crop. And if the right. answer is yes, that that thing is frost hardy, then you can plant that earlier on in the season and later on in the summer toward the fall when it starts to cool off, depending on how long your growing season is. Right. So for people that are, we're in five something. We are, I believe we're on 6A. Okay. So for people that are in, um, most people in the United States, unless they're really far super north, you will get like a spring, summer, and fall growing season. Yeah. I mean, pretty much globally, you have spring, summer, and fall. And in different areas, it looks different. Like in Leadville, Colorado, for example... You have rarely any temperatures over 65, like a maximum of 70 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. So that's a really cool growing area. And you can do salad greens year, well, not year round, but all, as long as it's warm enough, you can do salad greens there. Yeah. You don't want to do salad greens here in Indiana. You don't want to do salad greens through the summer because they'll just bolt and go to seed and then they're going to be bitter and gross, and that's not what you're after. Right. Because they don't like it more than 75 degrees? Yeah. 70. Well, and that's the other thing of when a package says full sun, it means a minimum of six hours of sunlight. It doesn't mean you have to put it in the sunniest part of your yard. I definitely like to encourage people to play around with different planting areas and don't think that just because a plant or seed package says full or part sun that it can't be planted in the shade. Salad greens can oftentimes be planted in the shade. Um, a, a lot of things don't like sun blasting on them. Yeah. So it just depends on what it is. And it's definitely because seeds are so cheap. It's worth experimenting and playing around and and planting things where it's convenient for you rather than worrying about getting it exactly right according to the instructions on the package. Yeah. Cool. So you can start your garden as early as like a month before your last frost date. Yeah. With your frost hardy things. You can. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Actually, I did um, one year I planted, I snow, they call it, snow sewing I snow sewed kale that sounds so funny when I say it um I snow sewed kale and I literally just like sprinkled the seeds on top of the snow and then as the snow melts the seeds fall down into the ground and then as soon as they're ready they will pop up so that's kind of a fun thing to do we're a little bit past that this growing season uh, but you can experiment with things like that with cabbage um Anything in the brassica family likes to be cooler rather than warmer. And then you can also extend your season a little bit. If you're willing to invest in things like row covers, you can do, like, you could be starting some of your summer things right about now. I mean, our, depending on your area, but in this area, our estimated last frost date 
is in next Tuesday. Yeah, it's in another. The day this comes out. Yeah, it, it it's in another week or so. Um, I I believe that our last night below with a low below forty is actually the day after that. Mm-hmm. You don't technically want to plant your if you're not using row covers. You don't want to plant your warm weather loving stuff out before you have at least 10 nights of low temperatures above 40 degrees that's that's the marker and you really just have to watch the weather on that yeah Um, but if you've got row covers you could risk putting some of that stuff out now if you want it it's it's a little bit of a gamble but you could do it and see what happens you'd probably do just fine if you put seeds out and then it still frosts again Will the seeds germinate when it gets warm enough, or can you, like, ruin seeds? You're not going to ruin seeds by them getting too cold unless they're also really wet. Mm. And, and again, it depends on what it is. Your cold-weather-loving stuff, some of that stuff, like, th- things that you can snow sow, yeah. those things like that, that, that expansion of water molecules can help to break open the seed for the plant to start growing. Huh. Um, but yeah, I've never actually heard of seeds going bad from getting too cold. I mean, if, if they're, if they're wet or if they've already started to germinate, then freezing temperatures will kill the already germinated seed. But seeds that are not germinated, that have been kept dry, aren't going to get ruined from getting cold. Actually, most seeds are kept in cold storage. Huh. That makes sense. Um, I think I ruined some of my, <laughs> my seeds. What'd you do? Um, well, they're definitely not from being too cold because they're in my grow room and they're on a heat mat. But I have been, I've realized now that most of my trays of seeds are like have a slight mildew across the top. I'm like, oh, well, they probably have been getting too much water. A little um, bit. And... I just thought you could keep water in the bottom of those trays all the time. You and can, but not too high. Yeah, and I think I just had way too much water in my trays. That's okay. Um, and so my zucchini, I planted four zucchini, and one has germinated and grown, and it's gorgeous, and it's got these two big fat leaves on top, and it looks beautiful. And then right next to those, I have four watermelon seeds and two of them look great. But then between the two plants, I have five that have not germinated. And so I've been like rooting around looking for the seeds. Oh, yeah. And I found one and it had like mildew all around the outside of it. Around the outside of the seed? Yeah. So I wiped it off and I tucked it back in. Had it expanded at all or started to look like it was um, about to It germinate? felt damp. Okay. It felt wet, not like soppy fine. wet. Um, so but. nice little trick you can do there. Um, mix a little bit of hydrogen peroxide in a spray bottle with hmm. some water. Um, not very much, just yeah. a little bit. Okay. And then you can mist that across the surface. Okay. Um, I actually have an orchid plant that I have recently been watering exclusively with hydrogen peroxide because apparently that's what that one likes. I'm not recommending that you do that to your orchids. (laughs) Your orchids are probably very different than mine. Mine was just like 
kind of sad and needed some help. Yeah. And 3% hydrogen peroxide to the rescue on that one. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's actually going to do the trick or not. I, I'm still battling fungus gnats, which for people that don't know, those are like fruit flies. Right. That eat your at your plant roots, and they're very annoying. Um, they, yeah. Anyway, so my orchid has a problem with that rabbit trail. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Another way we can extend our season is by starting seeds indoor, which I was just kind of talking about, um, and doing this specifically for plants that take a long time to come to maturity. Yeah. Um. I'm not real great with that off the top of my head. I know tomatoes and peppers, tomatoes can kind of vary. Yeah, tomatoes and peppers do well started indoors. I actually, I should have brought you, and I'll try to remember next time. I have a list from Jessica's Growing Gardeners course. I did that trying to learn how to teach, actually. I was pretty familiar with most of the information, but she's a great teacher, so I was learning from her example on that one. Um, but yeah, she's got a PDF with, and she goes over a lot of that stuff in her YouTube videos too. Yeah. Um, which seeds are best sown indoors and which ones are best sown out outdoors. Right. And in Indiana, we have a 170 day growing season at least, if not longer sometimes. So a lot of things, it's really easy to just direct. So yeah, but then you have to wait longer for them. <laughs> that was my thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you can plant it outside, but I could have it a few weeks earlier if I started it a few weeks earlier inside. And too, I was just super impatient. You know what? That's how I got into no-dick gardening. Yeah. So, But it also, I feel like, has really helped because now I'm learning which plants are super finicky and which ones aren't because yeah. I've given them all pretty much the exact same care and attention and some of them, like my tomatoes, are just thriving and mm-hmm. doing great. And they look beautiful. And I'm like so excited. And every day I go and play with them. And they're taller and taller and taller. <laughs> and then I have other plants, some flowers and some, um, like my beets. They're right next to a row of evening primrose. And then on the other side, eggplant that are both doing great. But my beets are all just like laying over. Mm-hmm. And like they don't like something. And I need to figure out what it is for when I grow them again. So, like you said, seeds are cheap. Yeah, seeds are cheap. It's and some, oftentimes you can get seeds for free. Um, a lot of people do seed swaps. You can a, a really great way to get started with get uh, collecting seeds is you know buy some seeds that you like and have a friend buy some other ones and you can split the packages. A lot of times seed packages have way more seeds in there than you're actually going to need for your garden right most have like 25 minimum oh yeah up to like 100 or 200 that package of carrots that ada got me i (laughs) i dumped the whole pack out in my hand expecting to plant them all and i have this large pot on my balcony that is deep enough to plant carrots so i planted the whole surface of this big pot and then realized, oh, I only used half of those seeds. And I planted them really close together. I was not, yeah. like, spacing them at all. I just sprinkled the so- surface of the soil with the seeds. And still had more than half left over. So I just put them back in the package. And, you know, use a little next bit year. of scotch tape on there. Use them again yeah, next year. Put them in another area. 
On that note, the date on seed packages. This is very, very important. (laughs) The date that is on a seed package where it says packed for such and such a year is not an expiration date. If you save them five years from now, you will most likely still be able to grow something from those. So don't throw away the seeds that you don't use. Yeah, they're just like canned goods. Right, the they're even on better there. than canned goods. <laughs> there was a guy, uh, Mi Gardener. I forget his name, but his chan- his YouTube channel is Mi Gardener. I've seen his page. Yeah, yeah. he's he's amazing. Um, he uh, he grew some seeds from like an eighty-seven year old shadow box. Oh wow! And they grew, and he was able to save the seeds from the things that grew so yeah yeah i mean seeds don't really go bad you might lose some germination but they're not yeah they're not gonna go bad you'll still be able to grow if they're some. old maybe just grow a couple extra just in case they don't all germinate exactly <laughs> yeah cool so succession planting is another way to extend your season i know uh, we just talked about some that are great to start indoors one that you start outdoor and then comes really fast we talked about radishes, yeah. but also potatoes come pretty quick. Potatoes are fairly quick too, yeah. And then when they're done, you pull them out and plant something else in the same spot. Yeah. Which is something I wish I had known last year. Although most of my... Uh, I was just a hot mess last year. <laughs> hey, I did it. I did the garden. I didn't know quite what I was doing. You learned stuff I did from it. it. That's true. I'll be a better, better gardener this year because yeah. of last year. And you'll have the same thing this year. There are going to be things that you're like, oh, wow, I totally failed on that. But it's not really a failure because you learn from it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll be better next year. Exactly. And on and on and on. And that's why we have these really old gardeners that are super wise and always know exactly what to do. It's because they learn something new every year. That's right. Uh, so there are a lot of things like if you plant brassicas super early in the spring and then once it gets hot, they don't like it anymore. So you can rip them out yeah, and plant something else that, that will grow and cucumbers in. Yeah. Yeah. So if you have a, a small apartment or a small balcony, I know Heidi lo- lo- loves to mention this. There's always room to garden. There is always room to garden. So even if you only have one small four by eight garden bed, you can still, yep. by succession planting, um, grow more as well. My balcony is five feet by nine feet, and I grow a lot of food on it. There is no excuse for not trying unless you really just don't have a desire to and if that's the case that's fine but be honest with yourself about it and be honest with others don't make up excuses like I don't have room to do it just be like no I don't want to yet this year that's fine that's a valid reason you don't have to make up a false excuse like I don't have enough room that's right no excuses no excuses be honest with yourself and I mean that really applies to everything just be honest with yourself if you don't want to do something just say I don't want to do that you don't have to have a reason or an excuse for it yeah you know life is busy and that's okay but that doesn't have to be the excuse for not doing something right just do you want to or do you not want to it's up to you make the decision and be okay with it that's right 
Um, so seed saving, yeah. this is a relatively new idea to me, um, that I've never done. Um, so much fun. You can save seeds for your next garden. Absolutely. You don't have to buy new seeds. Yeah. This is kind of mind blowing. And it, what you said last week, um, really resonated with me about how basically there's just no excuse for there being a shortage of food in the world because plants produce seeds and you can keep growing more food from seeds. It has nothing to do with not enough food that is entirely up to gross problems with distribution. Yeah. So it just got me really thinking like there, there really is no excuse for not having enough food if especially if you're growing your own because well I mean you put it like that that sounds like I'm poo-pooing people that don't have no 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 no. (laughs) I don't mean that I just mean you know if you're willing to put in the effort to grow your own food for sure at least make a one-year investment you can then save all the seeds from the plants you grow that one year to then sustain your gardens going forward in the future yeah yeah there I mean there's Gardening isn't just sustainable, it's regenerative. Mm-hmm. When we're gardening and we're saving seeds, each plant makes so many seeds. It, it, it will blow your mind how many seeds come off from a plant that you're growing for the intention of saving seeds. I, I mean, look, open up a bell pepper and look at how many seeds are inside of it. Right. That's... Dozens. <laughs> at least... I mean, sometimes hundreds. Okay, so if we're saving, the, if we're practicing seed saving, and and sometimes I still buy seeds, but I also save seeds. And I mean, we have, I brought with me for a, a little bit of a seed trade we're going to do. I have <laughs> yeah. a, one of those big freezer type reusable grocery bags full of seeds. I'm not saying that to brag about my seeds. I'm saying anyone can attain that. It's yeah. totally doable. If you have one single seed and that that one seed produces a plant that produces several fruits and you save back the seeds out of one of those fruits, you will have that variety of fruit or vegetable for years, if not generations, as long as you keep the seed saving practice up. And it's so simple. I mean, peppers, all you have to do is lay the seeds out on some type of flat surface to dry. Uh, You don't need to dehydrate them or anything fancy. You just put them on a plate or a paper towel and they dry in the air and then you package them. Wow. Um, Things like cucumbers are a little bit more complex. You have to have at least one fruit on the plant that grows way bigger than you want to harvest it. And it'll start to turn yellow and when it gets just a little bit shrivelly on the outside and it's like obviously past like it's not rotten but past it's past prime. past the point <laughs> of wanting to eat it then you scoop the seeds out you put them in a cup of water every day you strain off the water and put fresh water in and when you notice that that slime is gone off the outside of the seeds then you strain them off again, lay them out on a plate to dry. When they're dry, you package them and you have them again for next year. Super, super simple. Wow. Same process with tomato seeds. Same process with zucchini or squash. It, it's just, there's no reason not to try. It's so much fun and it's so rewarding. Yeah. And 
it'll give you food for years to come yeah. that you can share with your neighbors. If you have seed, more seeds than you need, share them. Right. Absolutely. And that'd be a fun experiment to do too. If you save a bunch of seeds and you have no idea if they're going to germinate or not, you could just start them in the winter during the off season. Yeah. Start a couple of each one just to do, see if they do germinate. germination tests. Yeah. Plant 10 of them. And you know, if nine of them grow, then you probably have somewhere around a 90% germination rate. Obviously that's not super scientific, <laughs> yeah. um, but it's, Anybody can do it. Yeah. That's so cool. And you don't have to do that. You can just save them and plant them. And if they grow, awesome. And if they don't, then plant something else where, right. you know. Yeah. Or, or put another of the same seed in if you have time in your season still. Exactly. I'm just a super nerd and I'm always looking for experiments to try. It's fun. It is. I have so, so enjoyed starting all of my my plants my little baby greenhouse back there just I'm really growing. glad that you got into it uh, I uh, actually I think at one point I probably told you not to she you did you told me not to start seeds more than one time I yeah I mean I did and I'm not ashamed to admit that I was I was trying to encourage you to focus on getting ready for the garden and you did not listen and I'm really glad that you didn't because I think it's good to experiment I'm still getting my garden ready though you are. I've done both. You've done a fantastic job. It's looking great so far. Thank you. It's a lot of hard work, but it's so exciting. And I was just telling Josh today, um, I spent the day cleaning the house and I was just telling him how happy I've been. And mm-hmm. for a long time, serious moment here, for a long time, I haven't had like a hobby or an interest that's really brought me joy. Yeah. Um, and I, I was trying to think like, what's the last thing that I got really excited about? Like my husband, he is a musician and, um, so he is really into that and he also has taken up golf and he really, really enjoys that. And so he'll spend hours, you know, in his office, either playing guitar or, you know, watching YouTube videos for golf or whatever. And I just didn't have anything like that. And so now that I've been interested in gardening the last couple months like he's noticed like a huge difference in me and just being happy and how I'm like even more motivated to do things I don't enjoy doing just because I I don't know I've got something that that you know fills my cup a little bit of joy gives you energy yeah Yeah. it's incredible It, it really is it's it might be microbiology playing a trick on you <laughs> I read a beautiful article. I wish I could remember the name of it. I read it like a couple of years ago. There's this article on a microbe found in soil that has all of the benefits and none of the side effects of Prozac. It oh, is wow. it is a natural antidepressant. They they've done the studies on it and it has proved to be true that wow. that reason why gardeners are always itching to get out in the spring we're craving that. It is slightly addictive. Interesting. It's really, really good for you. Yeah, we'll Not see. that Prozac is, but... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but the, you know, that that natural antidepressant, that yeah. energy and mood boost, it, it's so much needed. And it's so natural. Right. We'll see how um, that is affecting me in the height of the heat of the summer, because I hate being hot not a hot weather person. i am not a hot weather person all right i hate 
being like an extreme heat, like where your hair sticks to the back of your neck and your clothes stick to your body. I don't do that well. <laughs> so good news for you on that front. You don't have to go out in the garden in the heat, the hottest part of the day. You can do all of your gardening either early in the morning before it gets hot or later in the evening when it starts to cool off. Yeah, we're going to have to experiment with that. For me, the most convenient time with kids is when they're napping um, or like late morning once I've gotten them up and ready and breakfast and all of that's done, in which case it's already pretty hot outside. But we'll see. Last year, I didn't mind going out to the garden to weed because it was the time I got to be kid free. Uh, So even though it was hot, it was like, okay, well, I'm out here. But all I was doing is bending over picking weeds and that wasn't super enjoyable. So this year, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, it's going to be different this year. You're not going to have all those weeds to pull. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm not saying you'll never get any, right? but you get like 99% less. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm curious to see because I saw Jess, she's doing her no dig garden for a second year Mm -hmm. this year. And she does have quite a few weeds coming up in the no-dig bed that she made last year. Yeah. And I don't know what, you know, I don't know if she did the method, like, to a T, like I'm doing, you know, like, via Charles Dowding style. Um, And I don't know how she preserved it over the winter either. And because she's in a different climate. Well, her compost as well, because... Um, it was and, hot. And she'll say yeah. that... Like her, her compost, they're not super finicky about it. So, well, part of it might, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. You can do lazy composting. It, that's fine. Um, but not turning your compost all the time, you're probably still going to have a bunch of weed seeds in there. Yeah. And that's all right. I mean, you know, ev- everybody's different. If you're not going to do it exactly Charles Dowding style, I don't care. I just want you to garden. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. It's. I just, I think everybody should garden. I, I truly believe it is innate human nature to garden. I can't imagine life without it. And I think that gardening really should be the most contagious thing ever, anywhere. Like, everybody should do it. Awesome. Well, guys, that's going to wrap us up today. Um, I hope you learned something. I learned things just sitting here, even though I had everything on bullet points in front of me. Um, But next week, we will be back again on our final episode in the No Dig series. And we will go further into container gardening. We'll talk about flower gardening. We're going to talk a lot more about compost. So be sure to come back next week for our final episode with Heidi on Unedited Motherhood. Have a great week.